Chris, thanks for joining us. Um, I can start off with a quick little background on office hours myself, and then of course get to the exciting part, which is learning more about you. Yeah, sounds great. Cool. So I am one of the co-founders here of Office Hours. Uh, Rohit Mulrani used to be with Battery Ventures, went to an early stage startup thereafter, Source Scrub, helped them scale up and sell. Started Office Hours a couple of years ago. We've helped out over a thousand individuals really think through next steps uh, when it comes to banking to buy side transitions. Um, we have various packages, but our main focus ends up being on the coaching side of things more than anything. Um, Chris, very nice to connect with you. Have heard uh, great things overall, of course, and then really just wanted to get a better understanding, of course, of intros and then, of course, your non-traditional path into PE and kind of what that looked like. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Happy to. Happy to. Perfect. You want to start off by just um, with a quick background? Yeah, sure. So first, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining today. I really appreciate it. Um, background for me is uh, from New England originally and then uh, went to Villanova undergrad, so kind of the East Coast growing up. And then I started my career in consulting with FTI in New York City back in uh, the financial crisis. And then from there, I transitioned over to Hilton Worldwide, the big hotel company uh, that was in 2012. And I did um, some like Corp Fin treasury sort of work there. So that was like a little bit of exposure to traditional FP&A kind of work. Mm -hmm. And then after Hilton, I actually moved out to Denver and did mid-market private equity for about six years. And that was where I really kind of like cut my teeth and built some expertise doing deals, um, kind of like 150 million and below for top line. And then just a couple of years ago, I went out on my own as an FP&A M&A contractor. And now I also teach financial modeling that I really kind of hone and I hone those skills in my PE days. Awesome. Very cool. Um, as we kind of like dive into this, did you, did you know you wanted to get into PE from before? Was that an idea through school was kind of like the MBB or the consulting route, kind of the main focus? Uh, so no, it's a good, good question. Actually, I remember the distinct moment I was interested. It was, uh, I was at Hilton and they were owned by Blackstone at the time. And we were helping work on getting them prepped for an IPO back in, in 2013. And I remember reading some of the materials from that Blackstone had sent over. And I saw, uh, I still remember his name, but I'll keep it confidential. I saw the name of a very young, young person on the board of Blackstone in charge of this transaction. He was only 32. And wow. I think I was 20, 26 at the time. I love it. And I remember thinking, wow, how is this, this young person have such like a prestigious and high up position at this company like Blackstone? And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of I really want to know more. I want to learn about PE and how do I how do I sort of break into it? And so that was the spark for me. And then that led me down a, a rabbit hole of just researching, you know, how do I even break in? What do I need to know? What are the modeling skills I need? And you know, and what's it like? Because I didn't have any of that buy side experience on the consulting side or in Corp Thin. And so um, as I progressed down that path. I got, I just got more and more interested. And then that really led me to, okay, I want to get out of um, like traditional corp fin and pursue PE full-time. Phenomenal. And well, many questions that come from that, of course, um, sure. just getting an understanding, of course, as you, one thinks about it, wanting to pursue PE versus really kind of getting an understanding of not only how to break in, but being able to get those looks and people to answer your phone calls and emails. 
how does one do that? And because it's definitely called like, not to, of course, bring it back to the moniker, but definitely like a non-traditional way, right? Overall, consulting we'll hear about like MBB individuals that want to break into PE. The corporate side of things less. A lot of people will actually say, if you go corporate, very difficult to break back into investing. Even if you've done it before, forget about if you've, the fact that you haven't even done it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And actually it, it was an interesting journey. It certainly was non-traditional. Um, and what I had to do was kind of just do everything the hard way, frankly. You know, it was um, just online research as much as I could. I was I was Googling pretty hard because, of course, I was looking across the country, too. I was in Virginia at the time and I wanted to find something in Denver. And so I was just on, you know, good old Google. I was on Google Maps. I ended up on a bunch of forums, uh, tried to find some self-study modeling content and really anything that I could just to build this native list of small, you know, mid-market firms um, out here in Denver, because there's not a lot of bulge bracket stuff out here. You know, all the big ones are kind of like New York, Chicago, LA, and that kind of thing. But I knew before I started reaching out, I had to hone my technical skills in some way. I had to understand the process of how does this buyout work? And I, I don't have to be an expert, but I at least need to know enough that I can hold a conversation in an interview. And I'm not going to start marketing myself until I can at least do that. And so I pretty much just found myself like deep down in some forums, you know, <laughs> hey, can I find a course? Can I find a template? Um, and I was able to find a an LBO course that was okay. You know, it was good enough for me to punch in a model and sort of learn. It was um, it was a written course. It wasn't really all that interactive, but it was it was good enough for me to like learn the ropes. And then um, I had a lot of modeling experience, obviously, through FTI, through Hilton. So like my core Excel skills were strong, but the mm -hmm. strategic thinking and the LBO side was the, the newer piece. And so once I got all that, then I started to make my list and um, just send cold emails, cold phone calls. And a ton of it was a dead end. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I had nobody really to reach out to. And, or, you know, what I thought was a firm was an old listing on Google Maps and that kind of thing. LinkedIn um, much use? Not, not really back then. I think, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I was really aware of, I forget when LinkedIn sort of switched over to more of like a content centric platform and away from like, yeah. you know, here's my resume and hopefully please hire me kind of thing. Yeah. And, and especially, yeah, yeah. you know, in the, in the PE world back then, there weren't a ton of job postings as i recall totally. especially yeah. for mid mid market so it was headhunters not like, sure not really so i tried some headhunters but i wasn't able to get the traction that i wanted and i think a few people were a little maybe afraid to take me on because of the non-traditional background but also denver was i mean it's grown so much in 10 years it was mm -hmm. such a smaller market back then there were you know a couple big firms that i was able to find and then a lot of onesie twosies that would break off from former founders, but there wasn't a great recruiting network. So it was a lot of just like me on my own cold, cold outreach kind of thing. Yep. Yep. And that's interesting because honestly, when individuals are like, Hey, I want to stay in Salt Lake city. I want to stay in Denver. I want to stay in Miami. It's like that bullseye technically has gotten even sharper, right? Even smaller to a certain degree. And how do you recommend or what sort of tips and tricks would you give to someone as they kind of think about it like it's like oh like there are like 10 people that live in the city that are in private equity it's like all right become best friends with all 10 of them right like what else are we going to do here yeah right no i mean i think today it's a little bit different and first off actually one you know just so everybody knows one of the reasons i reached out to the guys at office hours is because 
the solution they provide is something I'd wish I had had back in the day. So, I mean, I think, you know, a little bit of a plug there, but I think that. I'll shoot you a Venmo for that one after. Yeah, right, right. The, <laughs> the, the network that you guys have is huge. I would love to start there. The more, or, you know, kind of organic way that you could do it is you could, LinkedIn is much better now. You can do some research on there, find people that might be connected and just, you know, just send some cold messages with, with like an authentic, you know, not, hey, what can you provide me right away? But I'm just interested in connecting and want to, you know, try to try to get into the market. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's still, in my opinion, it's still an industry of there's like a who you know component to it, but it's a little bit more a little bit more decentralized now with some of the some of the platforms that are out there and then of course you always need that you need that hard skill you need the hard skill set too you need to kind of have the expertise to get into the door and then but once you can build that connection it's easier to sell yourself in an interview or something like that yeah yeah no that's definitely pretty big um overall and it's true and i mean honestly definitely appreciate that um it's something that i wish we had and frankly, that I had when I was younger. Um, was lucky enough on uh, my first interview at Battery that there were a couple individuals from my internship, actually, that were like, hey, listen, like, um, super reputable firm, like, we'll help you when it comes to kind of like the sourcing angle, how to think about companies, how to get in touch with CEOs, how to think about financial analysis, because I honestly don't really know why they helped me. It was like out of the kindness of their own heart type of situation, but it was definitely taking away like a full-time offer there. And to a certain degree, it's kind of that like mentorship angle. And sometimes it exists, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's tough because you have to go out of your way to ask um, sometimes those difficult questions. And like, can you take a look through my resume? Do you have any thoughts here? But the reality is, is that like, it's hyper, hyper beneficial, probably like the younger you are. Or if you're really targeting something that where it's like pretty darn bespoke and it's going to take a lot of energy and focus to do it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think shoring up the resume and all that stuff, I feel like that's some of the the basics that you have to do. And, you know, if you want to, mm -hmm. you just have to make make yourself look like you're prepared or eager to get in that that position. And I think that's maybe obvious for some people. But, you know, I on the flip side, when I've done a lot of hiring, you know, there's a lot of very poorly formatted resumes and disorganized things. And yeah. those those little those little touches do help you, especially in an industry that is known for kind of attention to detail and, and precision. So it's kind of the, the full package of being being prepared to get yourself there. Totally. Is there a percentage weight you would put to call it if we had to bucket it into modeling, um, network, and then of course, kind of like, I mean, of course you have like the behaviorals and the technicals, right? Um, call it behaviorals, technicals, and the network kind of like who you know. And maybe the first two are like what you know. Is there a weight that you would put to it respectively? Because at the end of the day, what we advise is like, okay, sure, you can go through a course. You can go through, course is different, right? But if you go through some sort of like materials and get an understanding of like financial modeling, but if no one's really there on the other side of a phone or an email to kind of like answer that question for you or hop on the phone and give you a slight, slight chance, it's going to be tough. Versus the other side is like, it's like, oh, okay, like technically, like, you know, I have a friend that works in private equity. They're willing to give me a look. I don't know the first thing about modeling. It's like, well, you got the look. So now let's learn the other side. Right. No, it's a good, it's a good question. There's a little bit of like a chicken and egg component to it, but I would say number one is always just work to build the network. And a good lesson that I've learned is you always take the call, which just means if you meet somebody, and you're not really sure where it's going to go. You still just take that call because 
they may introduce you to the next person who may introduce you to the next person. And that's kind of how you build that, that lead trail. And that's something that you can always be working on in the background as you hone other skills. Cause you know, stuff just takes time. You set up a meeting and then it gets pushed and you know, before you know it, you like kind of lost two weeks. And so you can be doing, you know, self-study technical skills in, in between as you build that network. But I feel like building the network is the most important. And I, I wish I could remember a specific example, but I've had many moments in my career where one call led to another call and this like this whole trail and then eventually a big opportunity came at the end. Um, so that'd be the number one weight. Weight number two would be the technical modeling side of things, but I would say that's sort of early on. You wanna do that to get in the door, develop that expertise when you're first starting out, um, but then it would quickly switch to the strategic side of things, the, the thinking, because it's great that you, if you can like crank out models, but at the end of the day, a lot of the senior partners in, in the firm want to know some of the big picture stuff, you know, revenue, margin, EBITDA, cash. And do you, how can you help advise the management team on not just my model says X and somebody else interpret this, but like, can you get in strategically and tell us how, you know, how can we potentially increase the revenue? How can we increase the margin or, you know, can we find some ad backs for EBITDA or can we optimize cash? So there's a, there comes a point when you want to leverage your modeling tool to start getting into the strategy. So you can sort of act as like the, you know, a CFO advisor for the port codes. And, and that, that comes with time. I definitely was not good at that early. And that's something that I learned just kind of the hard way doing deals and helping the portfolio companies. But if I had had the foresight a little bit earlier on to be thinking about it sooner, it certainly would have would have helped me. Totally. Do you recommend individuals go traditional kind of like the banking private equity path? Do you have any thoughts on the um, more like private equity analyst program as a whole and some of those like out of school analyst programs? I think, you know, I would I would I would have estimate that kind of going traditional is probably the safest bet. Again, with me not going that route, I can only offer so much advice on like how that works and how that how that flows through because I I did it in such a different way. You know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I I think I only was able to hear from two firms, and you know, fortunately enough, the one that took me on actually didn't want somebody with that traditional banking background. They wanted they felt like sometimes it created bad habits. So they wanted to bring in somebody else and sort of groom them from, from scratch. So um, that that is all just to say that like, I don't really have experience going through the traditional banking program. So it'd be, it'd be my guess that's probably the best route, but I couldn't say for right. sure. Right. And would you recommend, um, I mean, on, on the flip side of it, right? I mean, kind of like the takeaways of working at a larger corporate, um, especially within the consumer space, um, pros, cons, anything of the sort, especially because we, we see that quite a bit. I mean, it's almost like you could go to a private equity firm and then technically get operating experience at a portfolio company after versus like basically like the inverse is kind of how you did it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think there's definitely pros and cons to both. I mean, when I, I sort of think of, you know, FTI was different because it was in bankruptcy and financial crisis. And that was what I would call like less traditional, larger corporate. Mm -hmm. That was very like intense work. Hilton to me was more traditional. And, you know, there were, there were really like some great things about it. You know, it was a fairly comfortable role. It wasn't all that strenuous in terms of hours. Um, 
great culture there and a lot of like, you know, a comfortable salary and, and benefits. And that was, that was nice. Um, getting into PE, it's definitely much more intense. Um, you know, income is a little bit more volatile, but I felt like the learning, the learning that I took away from it was uh, much, much higher. And I got, and I just loved that I was suddenly I had this had a seat at the table just because I was in the industry. Now we did we did smaller companies, but I went from being a senior analyst at Hilton in this kind of juggernaut of a company to suddenly I'm sitting around the table with the CEO, CFO of these companies, and we're talking strategy. And it's been like two months between these positions. And so that that I loved. I thought that was so cool. It was intimidating at first, but then I eventually got the hang of it. And a very common exit from that PE position is to take a nice uh, role at an opco, or, or which means like a company that the PE firm owns, because you have that experience being on the, at the ownership level. And a lot of the times, as an associate, I would pretty much act as interim CFO, so I would get that experience right away. And so that becomes a very common exit for a lot of people, um, where you can you can have an impact on a smaller company than something like like Hilton. Totally. Or or start your own company as a whole, or do that, um, yes, which I think is that. a pretty good transition point. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you've been focused on over the last couple of years. Yeah, sure. So, interestingly enough, what I loved to do since I first got out of college was to build these financial models. You know, I don't really like brag about it with my friends, but I enjoy doing it. You know, yeah. And I was always good at it. I don't really know why. I think I just had an intrinsic interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in PE, it was like really fun to build models, model out the portfolio companies. And my favorite part was helping the, usually the controllers, but sometimes the CEOs, depending on their level of sophistication, educate them on the new balance sheet and educate them on the reporting pack and all this new stuff that came with being acquired by a PE owner. And I loved being that liaison between the finance team and the PE owners. And so when I went out on my own, I wanted to kind of leverage those two things. One was I just enjoyed building the models. And then two was bridging the gap for new owners who immediately would come in and say, well, now we need a brand new financial model, but the finance team isn't maybe as sophisticated at this port co. So Chris, can you get in there, build the FP&A operating model, build the reporting pack, build the cash flow forecast, and then kind of get back to us and, and help work through that process. And so I carved out my own little niche doing that. Um, a lot of my clients are former coworkers or just other people that I've met along the way, um, getting intros, like always taking the call kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then during that, I also built uh, an online course for financial modeling because similar to what I said earlier, I just I wish I'd had that instruction when I first started. I was I was struggling a lot in the early days to build the models that the PE team needed. And so I just said to myself, you know, maybe I'll just record this, pretend I'm talking to an analyst or an associate and just kind of see what happens. And I, I had time to do that because it was it was during COVID. So there wasn't a lot of um, client work at mm-hmm. the time. And so those two branches, the client piece and the education piece, uh, I just do both of them now uh, concurrently. Phenomenal. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, how many call it mentees, how many users, um your program has, call it, uh, gone through? Or yeah. I don't know the, have gone through your program? Excuse yeah, me. sure. I don't know the exact number, but it's over mm-hmm. a thousand 
Um, and Phenomenal. it depends, yeah, it depends on which, which piece, you know, but the, the private equity one, as I'd say the, the flagship one, it's got the most mm -hmm. traction. That's the one that I did first. And then I've done some advanced three statement ones and then a, a basic three statement one too, because what, nice. what amazed me, a lot of finance professionals actually can't, they don't do a great job building a three statement model. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff they do backwards. And, and oddly enough, my, as much as I did LBO practice for my PE interview, my modeling test was actually just to build a three statement model, no LBO. Um, the tricky part was I had to make up all the financials and that, you know, they, they put a lot of wrinkles in it and I had, thankfully I had been working on those skills for the last couple of weeks, but it was, um, it was sort of an eye opener of like, Hey, this is, this is harder than it seems. And so mm -hmm. I made sure to build a, a very basic course around that too, to kind of get a foundation. And then if people are interested, they can elevate to the more sophisticated, like buy side modeling. Yep. Yep. No, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. You think there's ever an angle where one side of it feeds the other side out of those thousand individuals that might want to get into, maybe they are in, uh, get into PE, some sort of finance role, but then want to help out on the consulting side. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've had a lot of people, uh, students come through that are either doing similar work to what I'm doing. They just like the modeling for consulting work, um, or it's 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 really been interesting. I I thought when I first built it, it would be what I would consider newer professionals, like who I my in my head I thought the target audience was, but it's turned out to be consultants, CFOs, and you know, and newer newer folks too. So. It's been a. It's just been interesting to see the different use cases and applications that people have um, for the for what I what I put out there. Totally. No, I think that's phenomenally helpful overall. Um, any questions on the office hours side of things? And I'm excited. Um, honestly, Chris and I, and of course, um, both organizations, we're excited to announce more and more of a partnership and basically just kind of like a referral channel. Because I think it makes sense on both ends when it comes to, of course, individuals looking to dabble a little bit on the modeling side of things versus individuals looking to go like full blown. OK, I'm looking to really take on coaching and coursework. So for me, I feel like it's it's kind of a an obvious partnership from my perspective, because, again, what you the, the platform that you guys have created is is the solution that I had wanted. And so I, I guess, you know, I'd love to know if I'm a if I'm a person that's looking into PE, I mean, I'd love to know how, how can you guys help me get there? Like what are sort of the skills that I would learn? And then, um, I mean, placement wise, I guess I'd want to know how do I get to the, how do I get to the finish line? Sure. No, I mean, definitely uh, good questions. So I was going to share my screen, but we can follow up with some information thereafter as well. Um, we really have various curriculums built out today, whether it be on the private equity side of things, growth equity, hedge fund, corp debt, um, even frankly, more and more public equity focused. Um, but the idea is really getting an assessment, Chris, more than anything, if we take a step back, if someone comes to us and they're like, oh, I'm interested in private equity or growth equity, what exactly interests you about it? What are we looking to do and why? I feel like this world is full of, to a certain degree, right? Too many, um, sometimes individuals where you may know what you want and you have an idea of it because someone else had said it, but you don't necessarily know kind of why you're going down that path. And we really like to double click to get an understanding of why someone is looking to do what they're doing. Because the reality is that the firms and the headhunters will sift through this anyway, right? But if someone comes to us, 
I'm maybe call it I'm on the advisory side as a banker sitting at 10,000 feet above the control tower. I want to be in the control tower, right? I really want to be as an investor thinking long-term, getting an understanding of like thesis-driven projects, why we're investing into specific spaces rather than just kind of advising as a banker. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. Long-term thinking, right? That makes sense on the investing side. So once we get an assessment of what they're looking to do, or maybe the other side of it is of course public, right? Maybe they're like, hey, listen, I don't really like team-driven work. I'm literally solo. And I love going through like SEC filings and getting an understanding of like all this information and digesting it really quickly. We'll probably make a phenomenal public equity investor. So all said and done, we get an understanding of what someone's looking to do. And then of course we connect them with coaches, right? Being like, okay, perfect, right? You wanna to go to business school in the future. You wanna go in as a associate, maybe business school, come back as a VP, private equity long-term type of thing. Maybe you don't wanna to go to business school, right? Maybe like a partner track role. Let's go about helping you figure out what is ideal and literally orchestrate an entire plan to get you there. Once we get a holistic understanding of what you're trying to do, it's literally like going into the gym and being like, okay, listen, so like I've played tennis a lot of my life. I've played soccer. I'm good on like lower body strength. I want to build upper body strength. And I specifically want to focus on, call it chest, call it arms, what have you. Now, can you orchestrate a plan for me when it comes to hydration, when it comes to diet, nutrition, as well as of course, weightlifting? Coach comes back or trainer comes back. They're like, hey, listen, I need to see you here three times a week, 8 a.m. This is what you're going to eat. This is what you're going to drink. This is when you're going to sleep. And it's like very, very structured as to how we think about it. So like there is in the gym and call it from a student athlete perspective, we like to do that for your career. We like to do it specifically being like, okay, this is what you're looking to do. And you have an understanding of your dream. Now let's focus on getting you there with the appropriate resources, the people, as well as the materials. Gotcha. And actually, you know, you, you brought up a great point and this comes back to my original story of, you know, I saw that, that young guy on the board materials and I, that triggered my interest. And at the end of the day, it was kind of like I had like twinkle in my eye. Right. But did I really know why I was doing it? Hard to say, you know, initially I kind of wanted to get in because private equity was cool. Private equity was <laughs> prestigious, but did I, did, was I really thinking about why um and i wasn't back then you know i was just sort of on this like this journey this pursuit um so anybody who's thinking about it again i, th I think what rohit just said is great like just think about why you know really why you're interested because it will help it will help narrow the focus for sure um that's interesting you brought that up and then and just another question i have for you like tactically speaking you know we talked about resume and stuff i mean will you guys help with like hey here's my here's my resume can we get it all cleaned up and and then if i go from resume to a coach and then how do i guess i'd love to know like the initial step of cleaning up just my credentials and then to placement how might that work let me show you this um really quickly here let me know if you can see this um yeah, we're full soup to nuts actually um, so from the onset, what you're looking to do, resume reviews, behavioral, it's technical, it's thinking about the headhunters, thinking about, um, of course, modeling, case studies, mock interviews, um, all the way through to offer selection and negotiation processes. So it really comes down to, of course, at the end of the day, if you're training to become a student athlete, D1, you really have to check all of the boxes. You have to be in the gym, on the field, hydrate appropriately, like good nutrition, to be able to basically be like kind of like best of the best. So we specifically break it down in multiple different facets here. So that of course you do optimize for frankly, multiple offers. We're not even optimizing for one offer because the idea is most people that we work with generally have pretty high GPAs, credentials are 
good from that front. So it's like, let's focus on multiple offers. Um, there was a second part of that question though, that I think I missed, but you tell me. I just wanted to know, like, you know, generally the placement rate and kind of how we, how you yes. get from, you know, the offer selection basically to, to placement. Totally. Um, at this point over the last three years, um, we've placed over a thousand individuals um, to, I think Apollo is one of our number one. Um, Providence Strategic Growth is actually our number two. Now, if I show you this, I'm going to log me in. I'm going to log out for a second here. So, of course, we built out this entire platform. Um, we've placed to literally each, like almost every single major fund out there, public and private at this point. Um, and this is just kind of like five years placement, um, something that we put together, which literally wasn't even inclusive of all, of all the logos because our graphic designer was like, Hey, we can't even fit all these. Um, so for what it's worth, um, at this point, yes, like major investment banks, major private equity firms, growth equity firms, hedge funds, corp dev, um, like the Fang galore. Um, and we made this a little while back as well, kind of our universe of our coaches and our mentees and kind of where they come from. Um, I wasn't ever in banking, but I, uh, I'm not going to say I feel bad for our graphic designers who had to put this together, but they did a pretty good job. <laughs> That's really impressive. Um, cool. And I, and I'd love to know as you're bringing on, you know, mentees, what's the number one or, you know, top couple of things you find that like weaknesses or needs improvements or like, what's something that people could really focus on that want to go through that journey? Sure. I mean, I guess if you take a step back, right, kind of like the main thing is, is that at the end of the day, aside from like the GPA, the school, the target, the non-target, I went to a non-target, a CFO to a target, we're at the same spot, to be fair, right? Um, all said and done, like, basically, hunger, humility is really, really big for us to tell you the truth. So that's kind of like how we assess things to begin with, right? Like, we, we really abide by that no asshole rule, because we know for a fact that like, Sure. Sometimes like banks might be okay with it. Nothing against banks, but like they might be okay with it because they know that like a lot of people will get in to only go out. And the reality is, is that like some seniors have literally like climbed through the rankings of banks um, or investment banks specifically being kind of that asshole, excuse my language, right? Um, less and less on the buy side, less and less in private equity. It's way too small of a world for that to really carry forward, right? So that's how we like really do the assessment initially. Now to your specific question, it varies. Sometimes people are like, oh, like uh, headhunters come to me, but I can't really do much uh, or haven't really done much cold outreach. Should I? Can I? Some people are like, hey, listen, like I've been in a, a bank, uh, I've been in a group, call it three years, but we don't really hold the pen on the model. Right. So I haven't really modeled much, but I'm like a third year analyst. Um, others might be like, hey, listen, like my story is a little like finicky. Right. Like um, at a bank today, I was in consulting before and now I need to figure out like is PE for me? Is growth equity for me? That's a big one, too. It's like, I don't really know what I want to do. Everyone's like, oh, whispering PE. Everyone's like, oh, you should go to PE. But it's like, do I really want to? Like, I, I'm not really sure. Um, so they're evaluating what they want to do. So like, it really, really varies. That's why we end up being um, so curated and so bespoke when it comes to our offerings. And really kind of like how we orchestrate a package. Like not one package is the same. Not one experience is the same. It can't be. That would be saying like two people are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. No, that's really interesting. And you actually mentioned a couple of things that, you know, just kind of harken back to my experience. One was the, just sort of the hustle and the general intellectual curiosity. I think that was one of the best things that helped um, 
our younger team perform was there was a, we didn't really have to tell people what to do. They would just kind of go and hunt and sort of look for the work and, and bring us things that we could work on as Huge. opposed to handing stuff That's down. Awesome. Um, yep. Because especially in middle market, you know, you, you might have a firm that's got fewer than 10 people and even fewer investment professionals. And it's not a traditional, you know, boss comes to you and please complete X, Y, Z task and let me know when it's done. There's an, mm-hmm. it, like, there's an expectation of autonomy that, you know, you just, just go do it, go handle it. You know, you're working with the CFO. And one of the, one of the partners used to say to me, he said, if you need to be on a plane and go to the company, so you just go and, t- and tell me when you're on the way kind of thing. And that, that was so new to me versus like a more traditional, you know, just sort of complete a project kind of thing. So the, the, the hustle mentality is really, really helpful and necessary, you know, the smaller you get. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, even, even admin things that I would have to do that I wasn't used to just, you know, working on the website, buying domain names, uh, you know, locking the doors, you know, just, just things like that, that you, might not be used to from a larger, um, a larger company. There's a much more entrepreneurial aspect if you get to that kind of PE, especially the mid-market side. Responsibilities through the roof, right? Um, Compared to being honestly on the advisory side at a larger organization, nothing against cog within a wheel. That's just frankly, I feel like how we both don't think. Um, But the idea is if you go to a smaller firm, responsibilities through the roof. And they might be like, hey, listen, like you need to play like CFO one day, parachute in, fly out to a company, be involved on a board if a general partner can't make it and represent our firm at a conference. A bunch of stuff that like you don't really expect. And sometimes it's like, was this in the job description? Like no chance. Um, but that's why these interviews are so rigorous, right? Because they're really figuring out like who can represent us in that light, that too at age 24, right? Forget yeah. about age like 36 or like 15, 20 years of experience. Or- call it 10 years of experience, um, that to an age like 24. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I would say, you know, with some of the outside of your comfort zone stuff, another fun story from my interview was, and this was intentional, they made it seem like they were double booked where I was, mm-hmm. I interviewed alongside somebody else for the same super day basically. And they said, Oh, you know, Hey, this, we didn't mean to do this. Uh, just happened when schedules worked out. So we're all we're all here. Are you guys okay with that? And so, you know, we both said yes, but it's, it's cur it's curveballs and like being able to navigate an uncomfortable situation and, you know, that, that kind of stuff comes. And one of the partners used to say to me, um, if you're, you say, if you're comfortable, you're not learning. So I always want you to be a, a little bit uncomfortable and that's not a great feeling, but you get, you earn a ton of you get a ton of experience by doing that. And also you get a huge boost of confidence once you do start to get comfortable with all the situations you uh, mentioned, like representing the company at a conference or being CFO or sitting in on a board meeting, all these new responsibilities that come come with that position. So it's a, it's a great way to push yourself. And even though it was very demanding for me, I certainly wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, that's where I learned totally. so much in my career, you know, in those yeah. six, seven years. hundred percent. I think uh, even the slightest things, right. Um, being fast on a computer, right. Like little, little things where like, you don't necessarily recognize how beneficial this is going to be going forward. But if they're like, I don't know, maybe like 40 keys on a average keyboard, maybe less on a laptop. The reality is, is that that's not going anywhere. 
So even getting an understanding of like how to quickly navigate a computer, I think is like a really big part of the job that actually I do want to incorporate in some capacities, obviously like Excel, Microsoft Office, um, no doubt, but in general, just being able to navigate little things like that, I think um, carry weight into any profession that you are going into, um, how to manage up that whole analogy back in the day where they were like, Hey, listen, like you're at like an all you can eat buffet, right? Like you need to finish the food first on your plate before you go up and ask for more. Or it's like, okay, like the boss's plate is up here. He's eating spaghetti and like the meatball and spaghetti, whatever's extra is falling down on your plate. And eventually one day, maybe you'll have an intern and it'll fall on their plate. Um, little things like that, where it's just like, Hey, listen, just be cognizant of like where you stand within. Um, I, I think a lot of that carries a lot of weight, no matter what profession you get into. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Chris, much appreciated. We're not on any specific agenda, time frame, anything of the sort. Did you have any parting thoughts? Um, yeah, I think, you know, for somebody who's thinking through the, the PE side of things, I would say, um, again, I think it really does come back to thinking about why you want it, or at least thinking about why you think you might want it, um, just to get some sense of that. And I think, the reality is, you know, it, it's, it is very demanding work. I mean, you know, I think it's good to set that ex expectation early. You know, you put, you will put in hours, you'll put in a lot of travel. Um, it'll put some strain on personal and family time. So I think it's just good to know that going in again, if you have a banking background that, you know, that, that's par for the course, but it's, it can, it can be a shift. And so just prepare, just sort of prepare for that, but it is, um, it really is awesome. Like it was, I learned so much doing it. It was the, my favorite time of my career. And, um, I didn't leave it because I was burned out or anything. I just, I had always wanted to do my own thing and I still work with all those. They're now clients, but former coworkers and that kind of thing. So it is, it can be a really exciting and rewarding and interesting industry. Uh, just know that it does come with its challenges. Totally. And I, we actually did get one question here as well. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, any sort of advice to an individual starting out and kind of what that looks like today, especially with all the resources that are available in 2023, yet like also at the same time, the amount of options that are available in 2023. St starting out in the research phase or starting the job? Both. Yeah, I think so for re research, um, again, it's always building the network, which I know is like an amorphous advice and hard, but I think just mm -hmm. kind of searching around and trying to network with people that might be connected to somebody in industry. You just, you're always doing that behind the scenes. And then um, technical skills, you don't have to be an expert. You know, it's just, just enough to be able to hold a conversation. How does a buyout work? How does a growth equity deal work? How do, how do those things affect the balance sheet and kind of what is our goal as a, as a PE owner? Just some of that big picture stuff. And then when you're in the job, it's really all like hustle, eagerness to learn, and just a, tr truthfully, it's hustle. I've, ne I've never had a poor experience with somebody who is hustling. Um, <laughs> even if they're not doing stuff totally right, or, you know, their model's got some bugs yeah. in it or something yeah. like, we'll, we'll work on that. It's their, it's their interest and desire to do a good learn. job and help me and help the team and learn. Th those are the people that always perform the best. So you, you also can't, fake hustle. You do sort of need a, a genuine intellectual curiosity and interest in improving the companies to make that work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where you have to kind of feel like in your gut, you know, do I, do I want it? But totally. yeah. I would say number one, that, that hustle piece, I've, I've always worked well with somebody who just knew how to hustle. 
No, I think that's huge. Honestly, um, I know we had mentioned or I had mentioned kind of that like cog within a wheel. No one wants to be within a cog within a wheel. But the reality is, is that like we all are right. Like no matter what we do, we all are cogs within the organization. Now, the question is, like, what sort of cog are you? Right. Like call it like a creative or a dilutive in that capacity when it comes to like adding more um, value add versus like taking away or just kind of like doing that like bare minimum, like 1.0. Right. So I would say that's a really, really big part, like no matter which organization. And I feel like I've come to that conclusion after some time, like if you put your name on something like you want to do well with it. I, I'm, that's just kind of like I feel like after some time you realize what type of individual you are, or what have you, where it's like, OK, like I'm going to give it my all because for no other reason than the fact that like maybe I watch too many motivational videos on YouTube. Uh, but it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, why not? Right. Because one, there will be someone out there who will give it their all. And two, why not like basically perform at your best or close to your best in anything you do? Otherwise, like what's the point of wasting time? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great point. And I think that kind of relates to, you know, just take pride in the work that you do. And when you hand that work in, you know, assume you're, assume you're going to sit down and speak to the highest level partner in the company about it. And you're going to go in and say, here's the work I've done. Um, here's why this stuff happened. And here's what I recommend we do. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're kind of prepared to present, um, then you will really, your work will improve greatly. And um, I'd say one more short story before we cut here is I remember another first thing on the job. Again, my my old partner, he was a big sink or swim guy. And he would be dialing up the call for a conference call with the portfolio company, whoever else. And he just looked at me and he goes, Chris, you are leading this call. And I like, I I can't. you know, I, I wasn't, I mean, the phone's like ringing. Right. And I, you know, of course he helped me and bailed me out, but he basically said, you know, everybody learns that lesson once, you know, come in, be prepared to lead the call. And then, yeah, that day kind of sucked. But then every day from that point on, I was yeah, leading it. And all of a sudden now I was leveraging everybody else's time. So mm-hmm. it's about, taking full ownership of that work from not just completing it, but to implement it for the companies, that kind yep. of thing. Yeah. I think last parting note is that um, I remember one of my uh, internship bosses said this back in the day there, there's shitty parts of every job, right? There are going to be parts of every single job that aren't great and people don't want to do them, whether it be expenses, whether it be the admin work, whether it be, uh, I remember putting together papers in bankers boxes. Uh, but the reality is, is that like literally, almost every single job has it. Like I can't imagine like um, Mr. Disney himself back in the day, like not willing to do something uh, within called a theme park or organization as a whole, right? Like it's definitely, definitely happening. So there is that, frankly, it kind of brings it back to hustle, but also kind of like the team um, effort approach, right? And kind of like the teamwork approach being like, hey, listen, like we're part of this together. And like, if you're able to do it, like so am I and like vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think that's, that, that that comes with every single job. I think you're right. Totally. Thank you so much for joining. Um, honestly, this is great. And I'm glad that we see uh, kind of like eye to eye in a variety of ways. But if anyone wants to learn more, I put a couple of our resource links. If you have anything else, feel free to put it in there. Um, I put together our content library in case anyone wants to learn more. And then of course, um, your website as well as my website. Yeah, no, perfect. That's, that's all I would add. I appreciate uh, you hosting this today. And thanks so much to everybody who, who joined. I re- really appreciate your time. Thank you. Sweet. We'll have a recording going out and uh, post some reels and stuff, TikTok and what have you, a few youngins. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> All righty. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Bye.